Hi, and welcome back to another recording of the Encouraging Word. Uh, we are back, so um, it's been been a long time. We'll get to that soon, but um, we're happy to be back. We're happy to be recording again, and um, hopefully, we can we have some things that we can share with everyone, and um, that can be beneficial to your faith. And um, just really excited about coming back. <coughs> so coming back, we are going to return to our fit segment. And uh, Paul, do you want to lead us with the fit segment? Yeah, I can. I can share my fit first. <clears throat> For those who uh, may be new to us, our fit segment is just an intro piece every time we record, where we offer something that has been funny, interesting, or thought-provoking in our lives uh, in recent days. So since it's uh, been a few weeks since we came to you, uh, I can share about one of the reasons that it's been a few weeks, and, and that is a, a trip that my family and I took to uh, Colorado for my niece's wedding. Uh, I was uh, blessed to perform the ceremony for Lauren and Bo. Uh, Lauren and Bo, I know you're listening. Congratulations. In fact, I have no idea if they're listening. They're probably on their honeymoon and having a blast, but congratulations nonetheless. Uh, yeah, our, our family spent about a week uh, in Rocky Mountain National Park, and or at least right on the edge uh, in, in Estes Park, Colorado, where the wedding took place. Uh, the first couple of days were wedding festivities. Uh, the last three or four days we spent just uh, enjoying the, the beauty, uh, absolute beauty of, of Colorado, particularly that area. Uh, we're able to to see the uh, mountains, snow-capped mountains, uh, hiking uh, in and, and up and down them and uh, seeing some lakes and waterfalls. It was a whole different uh, type of beauty that in, in my life I had yet to experience. Uh, excited to be able to share that with my kids as well as sharing the concept of uh, uh, air travel. They had never flown before, so that was exciting. The concept of air travel, or did you actually fly, fly right? We, we actually Not just flew, the concept, yeah. okay. No, we just, you know, we thought I'd sit them down and talk them through the concept, and then and then we drove. Uh, <laughs> just one big tease. Yeah. No, thank you for clarifying, Stephen. We, we did actually fly to Colorado. We flew back successfully, um, and uh, no hiccups. It was a great trip. Uh, and I could go into much more detail, but uh, I know Stephen has something equally exciting <laughs> to share in his yeah. segment, um, also uplifting and, and thrilling. So, Stephen, what do you got for us? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> another reason why we hadn't recorded in a while is that um, my family, everyone in the family but me, came down with COVID. Uh, my wife... Um, about 100% sure she got it from school because she had other students who tested positive. And um, so I think when she tested positive, I think there was only one student. Um, and by the end of it, there had been like five, at least five students who tested positive. And it's just kind of spreading through the school a little bit. Um, again, it just kind of is a reminder that COVID is not over. Uh, we're still dealing with the pandemic, which is frustrating um, as you think it would be over by now but you know it's just something that we're gonna have to learn to live with um, and uh, so we uh, quarantined at home and also my daughters ended up getting it as well um, so I was uh, resorted to the basement <laughs> um, <laughs> where I stayed for about a week and a half I mean it was it was a long time and um, I have to give give a shout out to everyone who um, prayers and concerns and all the people who helped out with the ministry while I was out 
um, and uh, I really um, it was really great to see the body of Christ coming together um, in support of my family, in support of us, and support of the ministry, and so that was really great. And the first Sunday back was um, last Sunday, um, and uh, it was great to be back. Great to see people again. Great to see the students again. It was a lot of fun to do Sunday school and Crossroads and confirmation, and um, it was a really great Sunday. So, um, but yeah, we we made it through. Everyone's back and they're healthy. Um, I think my wife, her sense of taste and smells a little off still. Um, I can tell by her cooking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm joking. My, <laughs> mom, my wife's a great cook. If if you're listening, wife Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Nice try. Uh, <laughs> you have to do so, some more digging to get right, it out. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, we're we're back and healthy, so excited about the holidays coming up, and we're able to celebrate it with friends and family, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So, um, also, too, I want to throw this out here before I return it back to Paul. Um, we just got new recording equipment, so if it sounds a little weird, uh, we are still tweaking and figuring things out. But um, hopefully, we can have the sound premium sound here in the next couple weeks as we continue to um, fix that so all right paul you're up premium 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 yes premium sound not sure what that means but i'm sure it's it's gonna be fantastic i was i was resonating on your your time spent in the basement of your house and wondering you know how many different images our listeners have right now (laughs) of what your basement might look like because i've lived in homes where the basement (laughs) yeah that's true it's a split levels it's not a full it's not like a, a deep so yeah not a dirt floor no, with cobwebs no, right. everywhere no, and no. uh you know plywood no. and and no. concrete walls yeah. and spiders and snakes no. and carpet <laughs> tv air mattress ah. well the air mattress is out it's not always out but watch some movies did stuff yeah it was it was somewhat relaxing-ish but yeah. still you'd rather rather be back i'm starting to feel less and less sorry for you <laughs> <laughs> right so uh uh, great to be back with you, and, and uh, the, the, the timing is a little difficult for us, as we, um, our listeners may know, we were in the middle of a, a conversation about um, characters in Christian history, church history, and some of those uh, folks who have played important roles in getting us uh, to the point that we're at, Christian tradition and practice, and uh, we will pick that back up um, at some point, having a lot of fun researching those individuals and sharing some tidbits with you. With Advent right around the corner, though, we have uh, just one or two recordings left to fill uh, before we take a break and, and get into the holiday spirit here with you. So we thought we'd take a, a quick dive into a, a topic we think will be of interest to everybody, and, and that is this notion of uh, be careful about using the word notion around <laughs> you. And now I'm, I'm second guessing myself. Uh, the, the concept of discerning God's will, uh, because as, as uh, ministers, and uh, I'm sure it's not just ministers. Others have folks come up to him all the time. But Stephen and I have, have experienced this with uh, youth that he works with and, and folks that I've ministered to. Everybody wants to know, how do, I, how do I know what God's plan is for my life? Or sometimes it's a particular situation. They're trying to make a tough decision, and, and they just are having a hard time discerning God's voice and what, whether God's calling them to go left or go right or, or stand still or do jumping jacks. I mean, we just have such a hard time. Uh, hearing God's voice, and, and we really crave it. We want that guidance. We want to know that we're within his will, um, but uh, have a hard time 
hearing it or finding it. Sometimes it's just in general, trying to navigate life and uh, trying to be within God's uh, big picture plan for what he has in store for us. Uh, So that's the topic we thought we'd um, spend some time dwell on today uh, as uh, we're filling this gap uh, leading up to Advent. So uh, I think it's important, uh, first of all, as we look at this topic from a a wider uh, angle and uh, big picture wise, recognize God's will doesn't function like a magic eight ball, right? Uh, The only way to truly know God's will is to know God. It's no different than a human relationship. God's will is not detached from his being such that uh, you can just, you know, scratch off a a lottery card or open up a fortune cookie or something and all of a sudden there's God's plan for you. God's will comes to us uh, through relationship with God. Um, So I think uh, it's important to get that into place and understand this isn't a, a quick fix, a quick solution. It's not something... Uh, that we got to push the right button or ask Alexa the right question and, and we'll get the right answer. Um, but it is a, a beautiful process for those who are truly invested in, in living within God's will um, because little do we realize or appreciate that maybe our, our, our goal initially is to discern God's will, but we actually get to pick up this relationship with God along the way and, and that ends up being the greatest treasure of all. And God's will in our life uh, ends up being the byproduct of that. Um, so this is uh, the topic we're diving into. I think first to, to step back and look once again as, as a whole, um, God's will for humanity and get a feel for that. And then uh, Stephen and I are going to look at some specific individuals uh, today, in particular in the Old Testament, see what we can learn from their experiences But first, just looking at at creation, God's will for humanity when he created us and his intention uh, for our lives and the relationship he would share with us. Uh, Colossians 1.16 says, all things were created by him and for him. So very simply, we were created by God and our purpose is to to live for God, to live for our relationship with God. Uh, So it doesn't mean that we were created to entertain God. God didn't create us uh, to be his peons, his servants, is, is, uh, to somehow provide uh, some entertainment value for him. God is a, a creative being. So on one hand, it gave him pleasure just to create us. Creating us was a, a beautiful experience for God. He's also a personal being. So it also gives God pleasure to share in relationship with us. And as we look at the creation story, in particular at the the Garden of Eden, and this scenario that's laid out, um, God's intention was, very simply, that that we would enjoy relationship with him, a relationship with one another, all while enjoying his beautiful creation. I think if we break down our existence uh, to its simplest form, and we look at the Garden of Eden, which I think is the the prototype for what what we were supposed to look like and what God's design was for us. This is this is what we boil it down to. God created us so that we could share a, a relationship of mutual love with Him and mutual love with one another, all while enjoying the, the beauty and the gift and the wisdom of His creation. That was His intent from the beginning, and it hasn't changed. Uh, our world has become a great deal more complicated. We as a, a race have become more complex and more easily distracted, um, but uh, God's intent for us hasn't changed. The only real change has been uh, the, the 
the introduction of sin and God's response through the gift of, of Jesus Christ. Um, but our, our fundamental purpose for existing has not changed. Um, so I think it's important to lay that, that foundational piece before we dive into our first uh, character that we want to kind of uh, delve into his life and, and some things that we can learn about God's will from his experience, and that is uh, Abraham. So, Stephen, you want to take us <coughs> into some specifics of uh, a good old Abraham and yeah. uh, what we can learn from, from him about God's will? Yep. So we're going to um, look at Abraham, and then we're going to look at um, three other people um, all in the Old Testament um, and looking at God's will concerning them as well. So, so we're going to look at God's will concerning Abraham. Um, first, I think you got to begin with um, God's call for Abraham. Um, so God's call for Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land that I will show you. Um, so this is concerning God's will um, for Abraham. God called him to um, a land that he would show. So he didn't even tell Abraham where to go, which is incredible of Abraham's faith um, to believe in God and to trust him to go to a land that he's going to be shown. Um, but uh, that land is um, Israel, um, and that land is um, the promised land that God spoke about throughout um, the Old Testament. Um, that is the land that God was leading Abraham to. Um, but we see God's call within, um, see God's will within this call. So um, when we think of God's will for our own life, um, what's God calling us to, um, we can find what, what we feel God's calling us to would um, also be incorporated with God's will. Um, and then looking at God's promises for Abraham in chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, um, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Um, so within God's promise, we also see God's will for Abraham. So um, the promises of blessing and curses and the, and the promises of um, that um, all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Um, that's God's will. We see God's will in this promise to Abraham. So when we look at the promises of God, um, the promises of God towards us, for us, um, for example, that God will be with us, that he won't leave us, that he will be faithful, those promises within them reveal God's will for us um, to experience God's faithfulness and to experience that, that we shouldn't be afraid and that we should take courage. Um, also um, just kind of implies that we're going to do things that are going to require courage, right? That we're going to do things in which we rely on the strength of God. Um, so God's calling us to say, hey, I'm with you, and I want you to go forth and go out um, and speak my word and, and share about me, and I, I promise to be with you. And in order to experience those promises, we have to um, go out in faith and, and trust God in those things. Um, and I know Paul also had um, things about God's will from the first those first couple of verses as well. As well. Yeah, uh, first that's a it's a great point though that you bring up that we each maybe individually want something specific from God. Like this is my will for you, you know, Stephen. I want you to uh, work at Rocky River United Methodist Church with the youth of uh, the, the community, and you know I want you to raise two beautiful girls. And you know this is my plan for you. We we want that. We crave that, but um, you know, really the most important pieces of God's will for us uh, can be discerned directly from his word and from the promises that he makes us. And they, 
and they are true for all of us, <laughs> you know, it's across the board. And if we would each, maybe instead of so much focusing on God's individual plan and, and desire for us, uh, focus just on those certainties that, that we know that God's uh, plan for us includes this, this, and this. God's plan includes uh, that he wants us to uh, spend time with him, that he wants us to uh, be courageous in spreading uh, the gospel, that he wants us to be in community with other people. If we would just accept those pieces of God's will that we are uh, 100% confident of that are true for each and every one of us and, and really focus on that, that would take care of a big chunk of uh, living into God's will for our lives. And I think you make a great point there that we can discern those without having, you know, a genie of the lamp conversation right. with God, right, when right. it comes out. Right. Uh, but I, the other point I simply would make about Abraham's call here is that it does represent, I think, what we do crave. What We, we want it to be this simple uh, as Abraham mm-hmm. uh, demonstrates for us or God demonstrates through Abraham that, we want it to be a, a transactional thing where kind of like, you know, we're sitting now with uh, with our buddy at lunch and we want to trade him our apple for his Twix bar, you know, from his lunchbox. We want it to be simple like, God, uh, you know, what's your will for me? I hope it's good. OK, uh, I, I want that. So what do I have to do to get it? What do I have to give you? You know, we want it to be simple because that's the way we're wired. We want it to be concrete. We want to know exactly what risk we have to make or sacrifice we have to make to achieve God's plan. Um, and and in Abraham's story, that's kind of how it's laid out. Um, and so maybe we, we get the impression that that's the way it works for all of us, and sometimes it does, uh, sometimes not so much. But I think Abraham's story uh, gives us something to long for. Uh, but we'll see how that plays out then with the other pieces and parts of God's uh, story lived out through him as we transition to uh, the next verse or segment here, Stephen. Yeah, so um, I think we also see God's will with Abraham and God's covenant with Abraham. Um, so in Genesis fifteen five, if you remember the passage where God takes Abraham outside and he tells him to look up at the sky and count the stars if he could count them, um, I love that part there is if you if you can count them just I could just imagine a and the night sky back then which probably even looked a little different than the night sky today um, just how beautiful it would look um, and also um, Abraham believed God and he, it was a credit to him as righteousness um, through Abraham's um, so he believed that God would um, produce offspring through him and that all his offspring that through him, the whole world would be blessed. When Abraham believed the promises of God, and it's a credit to him as righteousness. Um, this verse here is a, a foundational anchor verse um, for what it means to um, live by faith, um, and that we're saved by faith and faith alone. Um, this verse is quoted by Paul quite a bit in the New Testament um, as, as pointing to um, Abraham was accredited righteousness not by what he did, but simply by his faith in God. Um, and what God promised to do. Um, so within this promise, again, we see that God's will is revealed in his promises um, for Abraham. Um, and then we also see God's, re- God's will, will revealed um, in Abraham being tested by God. Um, and we all know this passage as well as Abraham is called to sacrifice Isaac, um, a passage that's always <laughs> a little hard to understand. Uh, but it says in Genesis 22, verses 1 through 2, um, that God tested Abraham, that he said to Abraham, 
he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, Here am I, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region um, of Mariah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain um, that I will show you. Um, but again, within God's will, he could, um, he was testing Abraham. Um, and also we could see that within our own lives that God could be testing um, our, do we really believe what we confess? Um, uh, I listened to <laughs> a lot of different podcasts and stuff, and, and I thought the one podcaster I was listening to made a good point that it's much easier to confess what we believe than it is to live what we believe. Um, mm. To actually live what we believe um, could take testing from God, and, and we, don't, we, we don't know if our, um, what the test may be or when it is, but I, I think throughout our lives we are um, constantly facing the same challenge as Paul mentioned in creation. We're all facing the same challenge of um, Adam and Eve. Do we take of the apple or do we not? You know, we always face this challenge. Do we believe the word of God or do we not? Do we believe what we confess um, and actually live that out or do we not? Um, and I, I think that's uh, um, part of God's will is for us to grow and develop in our faith walk with him um, through different situations that we face in life, good and bad situations. So I think we can see God's will um, that way as well. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think what we see in the story, Abraham and the near sacrifice of Isaac, is uh, the the importance of being willing to, to go on the journey with God. There's not a whole lot about God that's uh, instant gratification, right? Right, <laughs> right, right? And in our world today, that's what we want. That's what the world is, is uh, accustomed right. us to. We, you know, whatever we want, if we have what it costs to get it, you know, a blink of an eye, it'll, it'll be yours. Right. So God had big plans for Abraham, yeah. and part of that was uh, that, that God was going to test him. God was going to put him through the ringer. He had, had to have this, this pretty awful experience. Um, but to to cement his faith in 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 God, and his trust in God, and, and the big picture, um, and so we have this this time, and really isn't that the the, the message of Abraham's story in general? <laughs> like right. I'm thinking just of the near sacrifice of Isaac, but yeah. um, you know think about God's promise of uh, taking him out under the stars, and and uh, these are going to be your uh, your descendants, you're going to be the leader of a great nation, which, by the way, I can't help but always picture that scene from The Lion King, <laughs> Mufasa and Simba. Is it yeah, bad right, that right. Disney and the Bible are intertwined in my mind? But I love this. <laughs> but, you know, God makes that promise, and then uh, it's like, okay, Abraham sitting here waiting, you know, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be <laughs> the leader of great nations. Wait, it, it didn't happen today. I'm sure it'll right. happen next week, or I'm sure right. it'll happen next year. And decades, decades later, uh, you know, they're pretty much given up, and, and the whole thing has become laughable to them, uh, which is demonstrated by what happens when they actually do get news uh, that they're pregnant. But uh, God's promise to them and God's plan for them it w- was so uh, long in the making <laughs> that, that uh, they had given up or they, they didn't have the endurance for it. And that's kind of this Isaac story. You know, God had something big in store for Abraham. Part of it was that this this one stage was going to be messy. It was going to be ugly. It was going to be terrifying. And uh, Abraham, at least in this instance, shows that he's willing to go along for the ride with God and trust that God uh, had something better in store for him. 
but can we do that? I, I know I struggle with that um, all the time, trusting that the uh, big picture is going to play out the way God intends it to if, if I'm willing to go along for the ride. Um, but that doesn't mean I get, you know, I get the reward today or tomorrow or the next day. And, you know, human beings are just not wired for that. Like wait till New Year's and we all make our resolution. Now we're going to drop 30 pounds and, and two days in because we didn't get our instant gratification. Uh, we're, we're canceling our gym memberships, you know. So I, I think that's the lesson above all, maybe for me in, in Abraham's story and, and discerning God's will is uh, it's in, in his time not in hours. So what matters most is being where we need to be today and being willing to be part of the journey, whatever God has in store for us today, knowing that uh, w- the, the big picture is still in God's control and still within his will and that we will experience it. And knowing that the, there's nothing wrong with being on the journey, even and not being at the destination yet. God has amazing things in store for us today even if we don't have a million descendants like he's promised us yet, you know, <laughs> even if the promise hasn't played out. Right. Uh, today is still pretty cool. We're still on a journey with God today, and uh, we can find some joy in that. Um, and the other passage I had marked here was Genesis 16. This is uh, first four verses. Uh, now Sarai, Abraham, uh, Abram's wife, this is before they received new names. So Sarai, Abram's wife, bore him no children. Uh, so we're stepping back pre-Isaac. She had an Egyptian slave girl whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, You see that the Lord had prevented, has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my uh, slave girl. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her slave girl, and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. So, um, first of all, you know, just a (laughs) bizarre story, and and without living within that context, I think it's hard for us to really understand it and appreciate what's going on here. And, you know, putting myself in Abraham's shoes, you know, there's a a very, um, you know, (laughs) a very... Manly side of us that probably uh, isn't too upset with the way things play out here, but um, at the same time, it's it's despicable given God's uh, promise and the big picture, and kind of back to that notion of of being able to trust God and trust in His timing. Trusting in Him means trusting in His timing and being willing to wait on the Lord. Uh, so even if we think we know God's plan, we may not know what His timing is. And uh, if we're not willing to go along for the ride, we do things like Abraham and and Sarah did. We start trying to solve the problems in our own way. uh, And all we do is make a bigger mess of things. And uh, if you, yeah, if you know the story of Isaac and Ishmael and how it plays out and what happens with poor Hagar here, um, they, you know, human beings trying to take control of of godly uh, promises, godly plans and do it their way. um, All they did was make an absolute mess of things and so just because they couldn't trust in god so abraham had his good moments his not so good um but i feel like i can certainly relate i've <laughs> been i've been there many a times right um so that's abraham and then the next person we're gonna look at is moses on um, the god's will concerning moses um 
So with Moses, uh, kind of similar with Abraham, with God's calling, um, and that uh, um, this is kind of starting from Moses after he had ran away from Egypt. Um, I think we all know Moses in the story of the burning bush. Um, but within that story, we, we can learn that God's will can be revealed in unexpected ways because when Moses runs into the burning bush, I always think this is incredible. Moses was, he was just tending the flock uh, of his father-in-law. So he was just doing mundane things. You know, he wasn't doing anything special. Um, he was doing what he had always done for, for years. And then he runs into this burning bush. So, um, and, and I think for us, God can speak to us in the mundane activities of life in unexpected ways. So the, the things that we do in life of just doing laundry, doing the dishes, picking up your kids from school, all those grocery shopping, those mundane things that contribute just to the flow of life. We, I think we also need to be attentive and aware um, of God um, could be speaking to us and, and God's will can be revealed in those unexpected moments. Um, even um, this past week, I was talking to the students and I was saying that um, I, I believe God is always trying to reach out to us. I believe God is always trying to speak to us. It's, um, it's just that do we have the ears to hear um, and the heart to respond and to listen um, to God's voice? Because I believe God is always reaching out to us. And um, when it comes to God's will, we, we, it can be revealed um, in many unexpected ways during just mundane activities. So um, always, always um, keep an eye out or keep an ear out to see if God may be speaking to you. Isn't that the relationship piece again? You know, I, right. I think uh, if we're living life and living our quote-unquote relationship with God where we, we just uh, feel like every week, you know, we're to check in with God Sunday morning at, at 10 o'clock or, you know, or if something maybe awful is happening in my life, then I start maybe paying attention to God again for a second or maybe I'm, I'm in a... a mode of particular joy something fantastic happened to me and i actually am compelled to stop and, and say thank you to god there are these breakthrough moments or maybe these routine uh, scheduled moments where uh, we suddenly become aware of the divine <laughs> and this uh, supernatural realm that exists around us each and every moment of every single day uh, but if those are the only times we expect to receive a message from god and we've, we're, we're tuning out uh, his voice every moment of every day in between, then chances are uh, that those messages of, uh, from God are going to be few and far between, and you're going to miss out on some of the most important ones. God was uh, nice enough to light a bush on fire, you know, to get Moses' attention. Um, but at the time, like Stephen was saying, he was just uh, he was tending sheep, right? He was in he was shepherd mode, so, uh, you know, he probably wasn't thinking, uh, boy, maybe God's got something to say to me right now, you know. So I, I think it's it's an important lesson to know that in in the mundane, everyday, to and from work, uh, family time, in between, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, laying in bed trying to fall asleep, um, God is there and and always, uh, if we're willing to tune into His voice, always has something, and that maybe uh, one of the most important, biggest pieces that that we're missing. If we feel like we can't hear or can't discern God's plan for us, uh, is to, to know that we need to listen all the time, um, not just when it's convenient for us. So looking more into Moses and, and uh, backtracking into the beginning of his story, 
Uh, Steve and I had some things on, you know, when when he was raised in Egypt, I thought it was particularly interesting, like the two phases of Moses' life. So first, <clears throat> interesting that even before Moses could remember or uh, could act on his own behalf, his mom and his sister basically set his course in motion um, when he's a baby. They, they throw him in a basket, send him down the river. So his mom, his sister, and the, the daughter of the Pharaoh, um, a, a really neat reminder of the importance uh, and the role of women in the Bible and, and uh, pivotal role they play in, in some of these important stories. Um, so first of all, but uh, long before Moses uh, could, you know, even uh, tie his own shoe or sandal or uh, <laughs> what did babies do in Israel? Uh, you know, long before Moses could remember anything from his, his childhood, his life, these uh, other people had already set in motion uh, the course of his life and played a, a huge role into uh, allowing him to later on experience God's call and live into God's plan. So I think it's important that we recognize the, the role that the people around us uh, can and do play. And then Moses grows up basically in a, the royal house of, of Egypt, right? So he's, he's a member of the royal family. He's raised by the Pharaoh's daughter and you know, maybe a reminder to all of us that, uh, you know, how uh, God's plan for us in one moment might completely shift and, and look uh, very, very different in the next moment. So, you know, second, we're like Moses and, and we're living this life that we think God has uh, has planned for us. And Moses is probably thinking he's one day going to be one of the great rulers of, of Egypt and he's being raised for that purpose. And um, you know, everybody uh, respects and, and uh, maybe even fears him. And uh, he may have had some awareness of God and God's plan uh, and thinking that it, it would apply to his current life. Well, guess what? You know, a couple weeks from now, you're going to have uh, killed this Egyptian soldier. You're going to be outed from uh, from the royal family living with some sheep and uh, out in the wilderness. And you're going to be doing something completely different. So I think um, just an important lesson that. God's will for us uh, is not a, a steady, uh, reliable-looking thing. You know, God's will is His plan, His presence, but um, exactly what form it takes is is constantly uh, up for change or transition. And uh, Moses had to be prepared for that. Everything shifted for him somewhere in the middle of his life. All of a sudden, he became a new person, new identity, whole new role and, and purpose. And I think that can happen to us even today. All right, so um, I'm just going to say two more quick things on God's will for Moses um, that we can learn from his story, and, and Moses' story stretches through a couple books in the Bible, so I'm only looking at, um, really kind of looking at Exodus here. Um, so just real quickly, other things that we can learn from Moses' story is that God will always give us the tools to do his will, to do his will, so like when God was sp speaking to Moses through the burning bush, he he provided Moses with the staff that um, would turn into a snake in order to prove to the people that God spoke to him. Uh, he also provided the sign of turning his skin into leprosy, uh, which is kind of crazy. He also gave um, Moses the sign of um, turning the Nile into blood. And he also gave um, Moses his name, um, I am who I am, or Yahweh. So God provided all these gifts or signs or um, tools for Moses to do his will. Um, so I think that's also true for what God, when, when we're called to do God's will in our own lives, that God gives us the tools. 
Um, he will always give us the tools to do what needs to be done. Um, and, the, and the second, um, the third, third and last thing is that um, we may not always want to do God's will. Um, Moses was very reluctant to do God's will. Uh, Moses made several excuses not to do God's will. Um, not knowing, um, he was afraid that people wouldn't listen. He said he wasn't a good speaker. And he flat out rejected God. He flat out told God, send someone else. Um, so it is <laughs> when we are aware of what God may be calling us to do, we may not always jump at that opportunity to do it. Um, and, and we see that scripture as well has people who um, weren't um, always um, running to do God's will, even the greats Moses. And, um, and we see how Abraham wasn't faithful as well. And, and um, these stories in scripture, they, they never paint um, the people in scripture in this holy light. We see that they're real human beings, real sinners like ourselves, um, who desperately need the grace of God. Um, so that when we, when we think of ourselves and our, and our walk with God, when we're in those situations, when, um, we don't feel like, or we're scared to do the will of God and we want God to send someone else. Um, we need to remember that God has sent us and he's given us the tools to do, um, to do the will that he has called us to do. And, and then we can trust that he'll be with us. We can trust those promises, like, um, the promises he gave to Abraham. There's promises also for us throughout scripture, that we can trust that God is going to be with us. So those are the two things, um, well, the three things for me for concerning Mo- God's will, concerning Moses, um, that God may speak to us in unexpected ways or reveal his will in unexpected ways. Um, God's will, um, he will always give us the tools to do his will um, and that we may not always want to do God's will. Real quick, uh, yeah, piggybacking on, on a couple of those and particularly where you were going uh, towards the end there with, you know, that, that um, it's not, you know, God's will is always uh, bigger than, than us or maybe even beyond us. But uh, I think from uh, Moses looking at his later life and the way things play out for him, um, it's important to, to pick up on the lesson that we learn the end of life uh, for Moses, and, and that is um, that we never become bigger than God's will working through us. You right. know, it's always right. going to be about God, yeah. uh, not not so much about us. And I think Moses, um, it, not too many other people in history or, or in, in Scripture uh, had the privilege of seeing and experiencing and being in the midst of everything he did. And it was almost like, um, if you know how Moses' story plays out at the end, almost like it became too commonplace for him. He became too comfortable wielding God's power and authority um, that he began to lose appreciation uh, for the fact that it was God who was doing the work and not him. And ultimately, Moses misses out on a chance to to experience the promised land, which is what he was driving the Israelites towards uh, all these years that he was leading them. You know, he gets to look upon it, but because in in a particular moment God had asked him to to bring water out of a rock to provide for the thirst of the Israelites, Moses does it, uh, but he does it uh, seemingly under his own authority, his own power, not recognizing or acknowledging God's uh, work and presence in the midst of the act. And God sees Moses' heart in that moment, and because this is uh, Old Testament pre-grace, you know, Moses, mm-hmm. a, a very thin line um, that Moses crosses here, 
that uh, Moses misses out on his opportunity to see the promised or, or live in, in the promised land because um, God's will for him uh, had brought him to this place where he saw himself as bigger than God's will. It was, it was about him, and it wasn't about God. He was no longer a representative of God. He was basically wielding God's power for himself. So I think that can be a, a danger for us, uh, particularly those who are in leadership roles, you know, in, in ministry and such. Um, and then the, the last thing, uh, getting back to what Stephen was saying about, you know, Moses' uh, initial calling, <clears throat> and um, that God would provide everything that he needed. <clears throat> I think one of the things we fall into when we're trying to dis- discern God's will for our lives is we we begin to look at it like some sort of career interest survey or career assessment uh, test, and, and we start to try and figure out what God's will is for us within our own uh, sense of what we feel like we should be doing. So, you know, maybe I look at myself and I think, oh, I, got, I have this gift, that gift, this gift, and I'm, I'm in, I live in this place. This is what my day-to-day life looks like. These are my abilities. These are the resources I have at my disposal. So uh, A plus B plus C adds up to this. I should be a carpenter, right? You know, or I should be, um, you know, a, a hairstylist or, you know. So we, we think um, that if we we do the work ourselves to look at uh, what gifts we have what skills we have um, that God just kind of helps us narrow it down and choose the final path but truly uh, Moses demonstrates for us that uh, our our uh, following of God's will is not doesn't start with us assessing our gifts mm-hmm. and our abilities and our resources and our context God can put us wherever he wants us God can use us to accomplish whatever he wants us to accomplish it does not matter what our uh, gifts are our skills our experiences god will provide if he wants us to, to be you know living here doing this with these people and we're not thinking that we're good or capable of any of that stuff uh it doesn't matter if that's god's will that's god's will for you and he will provide a way so be open uh, to anything anything that god might have in store for you uh, because regardless of whether you think it's a good fit in human terms or not, uh, God will make it work if that is indeed his will. All right. Um, okay, the third person we're going to look at concerning God's will is David. Um, and uh, um, for David, for me, when I when I went through the research and um, was reading up on it, I really fell upon two different um, and there's tons of ways that God's will work through David's life. Um, you know, have enough time for all that. Um, but I, I was going, I looked a lot at the Psalms and what David wrote. Um, and I think what we can learn is that David leans on God to teach him God's ways. Um, in order to know God's will, he needed to know God's ways. Um, so like, for example, Psalms 25 verses four through five, um, while they're, he says, um, while there are cases throughout Scripture um, of God, there are cases of Scripture um, where God explicitly instructs his servants. There are also passages of Scripture in which we got to lean on what God, um, lean on the teachings of God, God's guidance and his path for us, um, learning to live our lives under God's instruction to help us to know what God's will is. Um, for example, Psalms 25, verses 8 through 9 the good and the upright is the Lord, 
good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. Um, so in order to know, one of the keys to discovering God's will lies in our own humility. Um, this means being willing to let go of our own schemes and our, on our own idea of what we know best um, and trust the road that God sets before us. Um, and it, it can be awfully it can often be different than the one that we have planned for ourselves, so it takes humility to recognize God's will. Um, and also when we tune in, um, when you're in tune with God and our desires match God's desires, we are more naturally going to follow what his will is for us. You know, Sometimes God's will isn't necessarily spelled out, as I said earlier. It's not always spelled out word for word, but God does provide us with wisdom. He provides us with his word. He provides us with his spirit to make decisions that are going to lean towards um, what God would desire, what God, God's will, right? In certain situations, we'll know what God's will is for our lives. We know what God's desire is because we've been walking faithfully with him. Um, we trust his word, and we, and we believe that the wisdom that we receive from God will help us to discern what God's will is in our more day-to-day routine. So um, David learns to lean on um, God, um, to trust God, to teach him his ways, and to lean on God. That's, uh, again, the, the relationship, and it started. Right, you know, the relationship. It, yeah, Stephen referenced the Psalms. I mean, the Psalms are basically... A, uh, a write-up of David's day-to-day relationship with God. You know, it wasn't that uh, David sat down and said, oh, I'm going to write a book uh, called Psalms. It'll be in a Bible one day. It was <laughs> No, it was basically this was his prayer journal, and he had this this uh, just thriving relationship with God that uh, helped him in, in times good and bad. And there's a lot of bad in the Psalms, times that uh, David was at wit's end, and and desperate and God showed up times when uh, he thought God should have showed up and God didn't show up and and David expressed his honest feelings about that so it was his day-to-day relationship uh, accounting of his uh, pursuit of God and um, it showed that David was in the right uh, frame of mind had the right attitude placed himself in position to then be used by God to experience God's will in his life um, later on, so it was almost like that period where David was a, a shepherd, which is when I imagine he, you know, recorded a lot of these psalms, and then some later on too during his time as as king, maybe. But um, in the more monotonous seasons of his life, the the ones that you know, there's not a whole lot to write home about. We're just kind of going through the motions. Well, a part of our motions, day-to-day motions, is our relationship with God and and just feeding it and uh, ensuring that it's healthy. Um, then that, you know, in and of itself means that in those monotonous seasons of life, we are within God's will. We are right where God wants us to be. And it also means that we're prepared to continue to be right where God wants us to be. Maybe when things change down the road and God calls us to a a more monumental task of of some sort as he did for David. Um, So David's spiritual health was, was established through his relationship with God. And because of that, he was capable of being the spiritual leader that the people needed at an important time in their history. Another piece here uh, I think worth noting, in 1 Samuel 24 at the beginning, uh, David receives God's anointing. He finds out that he's going to be king. 
one day. He's going to be king one day. In the meantime, though, guess what? There's another king on the throne, and uh, ultimately he ends up not being too keen on David because David is a threat to him, um, and David is just the, the youngest and most forgettable son of Jesse, who nobody even thought would be up for uh, the role of king, but God chose to anoint him, um, and ultimately David knew what God's will was early in life, but in the meantime, guess what? He had to sit around and, and wait for it to come to pass. Um, in fact, he didn't do a whole lot of sitting around. He ended up in all these bizarre circumstances where his relationship with Saul, the current king, was was uh, spoiled and and became ugly and, and contestant, and, and uh, Saul started pursuing him. So God had made this promise almost to, to David, much like God might to us. We get this clear sense of where God is calling us. God has this in store for me, or God's going to put me in this position one day. But it's not going to happen tomorrow. It may not happen for years. And in the meantime, guess what? All sorts of things might happen that convince us that uh, that God's plan for us has, has been ruined. It's not in, intact anymore. Um, but David trusted in it, and he continued to try to do the right thing in the moment based on his spiritual health, his relationship with God, and eventually God's will for him to be king uh, came to pass. But uh, it's not, not always as simple as God tells us what's going to happen, then we uh, get it instantaneously, or even we sit around and wait for it, and suddenly it happens. No, sometimes uh, there's going to be some, some trial, tribulation along the way, some reasons we think that uh, maybe God was wrong, and God really didn't mean it, but David proves that uh, he does, and, uh, and, and it will come to pass if we stay faithful. And the rest of David's story, as you know, uh, reminds us that David was not perfect, and how easy it is to fall out of uh, God's will for your life if you lose focus. And I think most of us know the story we're referring to with, with Bathsheba and um, Uriah, right, was uh, her husband. And, and uh, David messed up royally on both accounts and in, um, in uh, taking her as his wife and impregnating her and then, and then basically sending Uriah to his death and um, all because he had lost his focus. He had become too, maybe too comfortable, maybe too weary, and uh, those things that he had established early in life, his, his healthy relationship with God, he began to take for granted. Um, so it demonstrates, much like in Moses' story, when he lost focus and, and started to take for granted that God was working through him, um, you know, and ends up making some blunders. So David does the same thing here. And an important lesson for each of us is to maintain focus um, the whole way. Even when we think that we're already within God's will, uh, we're, we're not necessarily going to stay there if we, we don't continue to stay focused. Right, and that, yeah, that links up, um, leads perfectly to what the last thing I have concerning David and God's will is that David prays for an undivided heart and a willing spirit in order to follow God's will. Um, looking at Psalms 51, the psalm that he wrote, um, after Nathan the prophet, prophet exposed David's sins, um, his sin with Bathsheba, he exposed them, and David wrote this psalms. Um, he said, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Um, and then looking at Psalms 86.11, he says, Teach me your way, Lord. That I may fall, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart, that I may fear your name. Um, I think David cries out to God, even in the midst of his sin and in the evil temptations that 
are trying to pull him away from God. He's, in order to follow God's will, he's praying for that willing spirit to follow the will of God. Um, just like um, we looked at Moses, who <laughs> didn't want to do God's will. Um, he didn't have that willing spirit to follow God's will, where David's crying out that he, he may have that spirit again and that he may give have an undivided heart, a heart that's not pulled away from God's will, but a heart that's always pulled towards God. Um, our hearts can e- can and do easily deceive us away from God's will in our lives, and, and, we're, and we are all being pulled um, to do our own will for ourselves and not a will not to do God's will. Um, so this is a constant fight for everyone, and, and David um, shows us the example of what happens when you give in um, to your temptations, but David also shows us the example of um, crying out to God um, for an undivided heart, a heart that's singularly, single, um, a heart that's only focused on God, um, and a willing spirit that's willing to follow God's will. Um, so yeah, David leans on um, God for um, leans on God's teaching to learn more about God's will. So his, every, his everyday life is in a constant relationship with God, so he knows what God desires. Um, and then God, David also prays for an undivided heart and a willing spirit in order to follow uh, what God's will is. Um, and the last and final person that we're going to speak quickly about is is um, Joseph, God's will concerning Joseph. Um, I think and for the biggest one for me is that Joseph learns to trust God even when things aren't going well. Um, so if you know the story of Joseph, uh, he... Um, at the time, he was the youngest son of Isaac and, uh, was it Isaac and, wait, Isaac, no, Jacob, Jacob and young, Jacob's youngest son, yeah, yeah. Um, at the time before Benjamin. So um, Joseph uh, was the favorite son and he received a colored coat and he had these dreams that his, um, which is also part of God's will, happens unexpected places like in dreams. So Joseph has these dreams that his brothers and his family would bow down to him. And I dare you to sh- share that dream with your siblings <laughs> and how that would go over. And they didn't like Joseph, understandably. And they tried to get rid of him. They told their told Jacob, their dad, that Joseph was killed and he really wasn't. Um, and then Joseph was falsely accused after he was sold into slavery. He ended up at Potiphar's house and was a great, um, I guess, a great servant for him. But Potiphar's wife tried to accuse him of an affair, and Joseph ran, and um, he was considered guilty even though he hadn't done anything. And um, all these things happened in Joseph's life, and eventually, out of God's miraculous power um, and his grace, Joseph ended up being second in command in Egypt. And then f- and, um, eventually Joseph revealed himself to his brothers because they had come down to Egypt because of a famine. Um, and Joseph was the one who was in charge of, of providing the food. Um, through all this that happened to Joseph, the, the, the being sold into slavery, the hatred of his brothers, the false accusations, all of this happened to Joseph. And, and the, But then we read in this statement, Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 20, um, but Joseph said to them, Joseph said to his brothers, do not be afraid. Um, am I in the place of God? He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. I just think that's incredible. I mean, that's one of the most incredible statements of scripture for most, for Joseph 
to go through all that he went through for him to say God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. It's just, um, it's a, it's an amazing thing. Um, and, and I think that can be for us a guidepost for our own lives concerning God's will that um, we're going to face ups. Life is ups and downs all the time. I mean, it, life is never perfect. We don't live in a perfect world. We are not perfect. Our lives cannot be perfect. Um, but God can use the things that were intended for harm or for evil, um, but he can bring about good in those things. Um, and, and I think the best example actually is the cross because we see the evilness of humanity mm. killing an innocent man on the cross and nailing him. He hadn't done anything wrong. This pure evil um, that, that pushed Jesus to the cross, God used it. Um, to die on the cross for our sins and resurre- resurrected three days later. That evil event contributed to our salvation. Um, and we can see how God can even use the evil of our world um, to perform and do his will and to accomplish the good that he desires. So um, that's just absolutely amazing. And a verse that can be um, a hope, a verse that can give hope and encouragement as we face the challenges of our lives. Yeah, th- I think. The truth is, God's will always in, is intended for good. You know, right, God always right, has good right. intent. That's a good point. Uh, for everything that, that he does, uh, you know, looking down on the world, he's got all these amazing plans, all these incredible things that could come to be that could touch hearts and lives and save right. lives and save souls. And in Scripture uh, and, and in our own lives, we get to look and, and celebrate those stories of those instances where God's goodwill was able to come to pass. Right. Uh, but it only happened because somebody or multiple people, in some cases, uh, within that context, within those circumstances, made the right decisions to, to trust right. God, uh, to trust his timing, you know, to, to be in healthy relationship with him along the way, so that the way that God planned it, mapped it out, uh, could actually come to pass. And and you could look at Joseph's story and, and see that exactly uh, playing out. You know, Joseph, uh, from, from the beginning, I don't know if he ever had an opportunity to sit back and be like, okay, what, what do I want to do with my life? What is God's right. plan for me? Um, it, it was just a, a series, one after another after another, of blunders and, and mishaps and tragedies um, and, and people mistreating and uh, taking advantage of him, and Joseph never really had an opportunity to to make a choice for himself to say this is what I'm going to do or this is where I'm going to go. He all he he had the freedom to do was to decide in the moment. Sometimes better of two evils, or or you know where is God call? How is God calling me to respond to this uh, tragedy, this predicament, and to do so every time making one of those decisions, doing it with faith, with trust. Um, with a, a belief that God could work through those circumstances if uh, Joseph would just do the right thing in, in God's mind in the moment. And that's what he did, every, every circumstance, even if it meant that he was going to end up in a worse place than he currently was, even if it meant um, that he was going to deal with pain and suffering, even if it meant that he was walking in the uncertainty, he made the, the faithful, the, the righteous decision in every moment, um, never having time <laughs> or, or opportunity or freedom to sit back and think how it would affect him or how it would affect God's plan for him. He didn't have the, the liberty to, to think or even care about that. 
Um, all he could afford to do was make the right decisions in the moment. And little did he know, or maybe he didn't know, but uh, as the story plays out, certainly the reader doesn't know until we get to the end what all of this is building towards. And it's, it shows us in the end that because of Joseph's faithfulness and willingness to be faithful in the moment in difficult circumstances, the good that God had put, planned from the beginning and set into motion was able to come to fruition uh, because Joseph was faithful with the little things, with the difficult things, with the day-to-day things, with the things that meant pain and suffering for him. He was faithful. He was healthy in his relationship with God. He was righteous in the moment. And so everything played out the way God intended it uh, to. And Joseph uh, became a, a respectable and uh, much-loved and a figure who had was in position to save countless lives, to even his own brothers who had abused him early on. I mean, it's just a, a powerful uh, mm-hmm. story of how God's will can play out um, in our lives if we can be faithful in, in the little things in, in the uh, individual moments. Um, so I think all of us, maybe through Joseph, more than even any of the others, can, can learn and see uh, the potential of our own lives and knowing without a doubt that God has a, a crazy cool plan in store for us and for the people around us and for our circumstances and for how things are going to look. Uh, but it's going to take time. It's going to take faith in, in the moment and the little things. And it's going to take a willingness to, to accept uh, sacrifice and risk and tragedy even along the way to get there. So once again, that it's not so much the destination that matters. If our eye is only on the destination, then we're never going to be able to go along and truly trust God and make good decisions on the journey. Um, and really, the journey is more important to mm. God than the destination. And mm. uh, if we can pull anything from our lessons about God's will, um, I think that has to be right near the top. So uh, Joseph is a humdinger of a story, I think, to finish on. Any other thoughts, uh, Stephen? I think we've covered a lot of territory yeah. here. The only thought I have is what's a humdinger? A humdinger <laughs> is, uh, that word is, is Russian in origin. <laughs> it's a rough yeah, it was developed oh in a God. silver mine. Oh, yeah. Uh, just uh, northeast of Moscow, this guy <laughs> was... <laughs> Chipping away at the silver, and his axe head broke. Oh yeah, his pickaxe, and um, and he huh. was like, "Boy, that's a humdinger." <laughs> I really have honestly no idea. Did you it. make that word up? You've never heard humdinger before? Uh, not really. Last time I heard it, you used it. Oh, but well, yeah, I haven't. You should, you should pay more attention. Trust my <laughs> vocabulary that it is, uh, it's oh profound. God. And very useful. Broke Apparently, out. they don't have that in Kansas City. No. There's something wrong with the no. New no Westerners. No. No humdingers. No. Well, we, we're closer to Russia in, <laughs> in Ohio here, so it explains the influence, the word passing. Wow. Down. We're, he's really losing it, guys. We're sorry. You asked no. the question. I'm just <laughs> answering. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and we're glad um, to be back again, and um, we're excited about what we have coming up um, in the near future and also the podcast that we have coming up um, in the future. So um, thank you all for listening, and hopefully uh, we can see you all again, um, see you in person in the services here at the church. And uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.